He's in. He's right. He's got it. I am Bobby. I'm Davey. I'm Jimmy. And this is the Mystic Cult of Horrors podcast episode 41. And we've got a very special guest tonight. We have Lyle Blackburn. <laughs> Solitude Turns, the Kill Creeps, Ghoul Town, Crypto Researcher. Doctor, nice to have you. Yes. Lyle in the house. Yeah. Thank you guys. For PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's a new accolade. Monsterologists, can you give us a synopsis of who you are? Who are you, Lyle? Why do we love you? Why are you here? Sell yourself, baby. Well, I'm obviously a huge Calabrese fan, so, right. you know, we go way back with uh, working together. Uh, I'm the front man for the band Ghoul Town, which is a somewhat horror Western band. I live in Texas. We're based here in Texas. Uh, I've all been playing music most of my life and been in various metal bands, uh, Solitude Eternus, which was on Roadrunner. That was an early band. And then I did a horror punk band called The Kill Creeps. And that all kind of culminated into Ghoul Town, which has been around now for 20 years, 21 years, I think. It's it's really, really crazy to think back how long. But uh, congratulations. Somewhere in there, I, I, I wrote for the magazine Room Morgue for almost a decade. And I was always sort of supplemented my music income with writing for horror magazines or music magazines. And at one point, I decided to write a book. And I did it on a subject called The Legend of Boggy Creek, which is this scary Sasquatch kind of thing that there was a movie made in the 70s. So I released a book called The Beast of Boggy Creek, which sort of put me into this um, monster research realm. And the book was successful, a great publishing deal. And then I got on television. I was on various shows like Monsters and Mysteries in America. Uh, I've been on Strange Evidence, Finding Bigfoot, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Joe Bog Briggs. last drive in. And um, so I continue writing the books. So I sort of do monster hunting and I, you know, obviously still do ghoul town and everything I do sort of has that uh, sort of a common denominator of scary or monsters. And that's been the way I have been ever since I can remember, uh, you know, the by first memories monsters amazing All right. okay you got hot sauce lyle what's the deal <laughs> everything i do is sort of turns into this this whole big deal but i, I you know i'm in texas I, I like to cook and uh i love hot sauce and hot sauces and salsas and things so earlier uh this year i had this idea to put out something called monster sauce which is basically a, a hot sauce and uh, i thought yeah it'd be cool i can put it on my table when i do appearances or events or gigs or whatever and you know i just kind of created this cool label and worked with a bottler here not far out of fort worth texas where i live to to develop you know the flavor and he bottles it and and everybody wanted it so then it was like you know rue morgue did an interview with me just about the hot sauce which i thought was funny and you know <laughs> you know mail ordering it and stuff and now now it's actually in like a dozen retail locations around the u.s and more coming out and you know when i have it on the table now it's like people just go straight for that hot sauce so it's been fun and it's cool you know essentially once you either come up with a recipe or consult somebody who is already bottling, you know, that sort of thing. You got to have a partner, you know, with something like that as a food product. So, you know, once you have the recipe, 
or arrive at, at whatever you're trying to produce, you definitely got to hook up with them. And I was lucky because this guy, uh, you know, had experience with hot sauces of all sorts of levels, you know, and has helped other musicians and, and he doesn't do Doyle's, but uh, that, that would have been cool. But in, and of course, you know, Doyle had a sauce and I thought that was cool. And then I saw Elvira, uh, my good friend Cassandra had a sauce, and I thought these are things like, well, you know, Blackburn needs a sauce too, monster sauce. Twenty-five I, plus years searching for monsters across the land. Hey, it's that hot sauce guy. I thought about that because you know it's got my little icon and my face, like this guy did this kind of thing. So it says Blackburn's original, and I really did think like, like there's that dude Jimmy Dean who has the sausages and stuff. Oh, yeah, that guy was like an actor. I think a musician actually. Yeah. You think of Jimmy Dean, you just think sausage. And I'm like, what if I'm that? You know, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's monster. Whatever. At least, as, long as, they, as long as everyone remembers you, right? I guess that's all right. That's the important thing. So, all right. So, folks who don't know, you, you see you see Ghoul Town, you think, like, oh, okay, yeah, these guys are, are badass. They're probably just like cartoon characters. Like, they're not really like this. But the first time we met you was at Dragon Con. Yeah, I always remember it. We were like walking, we're like walking around like, this is crazy. We've never been to anything like, like that before, like a, um, a cosplay yeah. convention where like, and how huge that is with like four, uh, you know, hotels. And then we walk in and then you're coming stumbling out with a half empty bottle of Jack and like your entourage behind you. And you're like, oh, it's the Killerys boys. How you doing? And you're like, Lyle. Oh my God. So, and you are a hundred percent. Loud Blackburn. That's all I gotta say. You know, real deal. And that was probably amazing. whiskey, like four four shots of whiskey. And yeah, yeah dude, it was like nine in the morning. <laughs> yeah, there is a theme of that. You're not the only one. Say, I remember meeting you at, at Spooky Empire or whatever, and you know, you just had this bottle of tequila. I'm like, you know, you know, what else do you do all day? You're just hanging out. And the, the bottle comes out. And, you know, it's fun. Elvira Missions of the Dark, the music video. How is it like working with Cassandra? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And and obviously right now she's hot, you know, because she's released her. <laughs> well, she's always hot, but, you know, she's <laughs> released the biography. So, you know, she's always sort of out there. And, and it, it just trips me out that we were able to work with her. But that, and, and that kind of came from Ghoultown was playing at a horror convention, the Texas Frightmare Weekend. And we were doing kind of a stripped down acoustic thing at the VIP party. Her manager saw us, introduced us to her, you know, and this was back in like 2009 or so. And she was just kind of coming back to get out there and do some, you know, conventions and things and, and kind of just getting her name back out there because she kind of took a break and, and so it was perfect timing. And, and she's like, she was talking to me and like, maybe we can do a song. And like, yeah, that's no problem. I mean, I'm a huge fan. So I wrote the song. They loved it. Um, we recorded it. And then we had a mutual friend, Grizz Grimley, who was doing visuals, music videos and short films. And so some idea came up to shoot a video. So we ended up going to Hollywood and shooting the video at the Magic Castle. And, you know, she's just an amazing person. She just was down there working with us, not, you know, no, no high and mighty sort of thing. It was like she's just there working and doing it and a joint, you know, project. And it was just amazing. So the video is obviously one of the coolest things we've done. And and people ask about it and just a great memory. And so we've, of course, been friends ever since. So it's, it's one of the greatest things. People will send me like, Oh, did you, do you know this, the news and all this? I'm like, 
I'm a friend with, I'm friends with her. Yeah. I kind of knew things and, and, uh, you know, but it's funny because people just love Cassandra and she is amazing. She dated Elvis, hung out with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, for real. You were on coast to coast AM with George Norrie. And for me, that was a huge deal. When I heard you on the radio, I was like, Oh my God, Lyle's on there with his, his book. That was so awesome. Uh, have you done any other coast to coast? I mean, I've been on there, I think four times. Oh, four uh, times. Oh my God. Yeah. So over, <laughs> yeah, over the years, uh, various books and, uh, and so, yeah, it's an honor because I remember listening to coast to coast once and ironically, one of the episodes was a, was a guy who had released a book published by this well, the uh, the publishing house Anomalist, and they had a big thing on Coast to Coast. I'm like, that's so cool, man. It'd be cool to be like, be on that or have a book. And that was years before I then wrote the book. And the next thing you know, I got the deal with Anomalist, same publisher, and Anomalist was the, they got me on Coast to Coast the first time. And then, you know, after that, I can sort of, you know, communicate directly. But that that all kind of like happened. And it was weird because it was just something I, envisioned but not not in a serious way you know it's neat about coast to coast too is like before the internet because now you can get all the paranormal stuff all the crypto stuff but that was the only way you can get it yeah was that am uh station with uh actually it was our bell back in the day before george right Warren, and they talk about all the ufos and the crypto stuff and just like everything oh man it was like this <laughs> yeah it, it's cool i mean and it's great to to have done those you know and you know the various television shows and coast to coast so though those helped me get out there quickly you know it's like and i feel like obviously my fans and my readers have responded well to the books they love the books but if people don't know about you or you know if i'm known of in ghoul town but then there's a whole nother thing so those kind of things like coast to coast really got me out there quick rockstar ghoul town and then you've got the uh educational books and so so it seems like they probably don't really mesh that much or do they kind of not i mean it's almost a little bit two different demographics in a way um with with sort of the if you want to put ghoul town and horror punk or rock and roll or whatever and the monster hunting and people who are really into either paranormal or bigfoot and stuff but what i've noticed is more so is I do a lot of interviews and, you know, stuff involving the paranormal stuff. Those fans are always coming in and going, whoa, we listen to your band. You know, it's amazing. We love it. They'll, uh, they'll play, you know, a song on the, on those shows. So I've, I've seen Ghoul Town get a big, another fan base to people that probably would have never heard us. You know, they don't go to bars where you, you and us play, you know, and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And, yeah. And in the realms we're working in like horror conventions and stuff. So yeah, I've seen this huge boost in it uh, in that picking up a paranormal audience. Whereas the ghoul town fans uh, will sometimes see me on TV and go, Holy shit. I, you know, I didn't know you were on TV or they'll post or, you know, and of course there's, there's cross fans, but you know, in some ways, different yeah that's like um when you have a sep uh, separate group of friends and you don't want to meet <laughs> that one group to meet the other group and then one group has to meet the other and you're like tell one group hey this group thinks i have an english accent so don't tell them this guy thinks doesn't know i hunt monsters leave that out <laughs> that's what can you tell us about bigfoot <laughs> well you know everybody has eat big allegedly <laughs> 
You know, it, it's something everybody has an opinion on or knows about. Obviously, it's just such a it's a it's basically a cultural icon at this point. You know, in some levels, people have thought about it and some people don't. And, you know, it was one of the things that I was just interested in. Of course, as a kid, you just like you don't think about it. You're like, Whoa, Bigfoot. It's like as I got older, it was more about, OK, who are the people who have seen this? What are the areas that are being seen? What? What circumstance? How does a town become associated with a monster and sort of have this legendary uh, tourist attraction like some of these, like when we're dealing with Legend of Boggy Creek in Arkansas or, or Mothman in, in West Virginia? So I'm looking at it as the story and not so much, you know, I'm not out to prove it necessarily. I'm not as much of the science. I'm not as qualified in that. I'm just documenting the history and the sightings and, and just the phenomenon of people seeing what I call real life monsters in modern times, whether that's a lizard man, Bigfoot. And of course, Bigfoot to me has the most probability for being real. You know, it's not very, it's not too outlandish. It looks, it, it could be, you know, uh, some undiscovered, species of ape, you know, it could be a, a hominid that's more closely re related to us. And just because there's no proof doesn't eliminate the possibility. There's there's small populations of uh, animal species out there that can survive relatively unseen most of the time. So it, it's not it's kind of improbable, but not impossible. So it, it, to me, it's just a, a cool phenomenon, just the baseline of somebody saying, I saw this seven foot hairy ape thing walking in the woods. Dude, that'd be like life changing. It, it's crazy. Drink of the Living Dead. Is that a true autobiographical story? <laughs> Absolutely true. You know, the, uh, that happened. I, I drank in a bar against a dead guy. And I won the, the storytelling aspect. And I see a lot of the Ghoul Town fans say, you know, what I love most is you tell stories in the songs, you know, which kind of goes back to, you know, Johnny Cash, some of the influences like he did that on an occasion. And Marty Robbins uh, is another sort of old classic country guy that would tell us a story in the song. And I kind of combine that kind of thing with, you know, the horror element. You know, you got an undead cowboy versus a you know, just an average cowboy. But it is something that people remember about Ghoul Town. And that comes from the lyrics and my my writing skills, if you will, in telling stories. So it's a different art form in writing the lyrics than a book, but it's very similar in storytelling. 18 million <laughs> just on YouTube. Oh, million. I know. How do you feel about that? I feel great for you. <laughs> I feel good about that. And I mean, I, I, I start to think that Ghoul Town is a one hit wonder because it outdistances everything else so much. But, it, you know, you're just like, well, whatever, who cares it, it, if you can even get I just think uh, some obscure indie band like this with a wild mashup of genres could even get that much popularity with one song is, is a real honor. And yeah, I mean, that, and that's just YouTube. Like if you add Spotify and all that, it's just like 30 million streams. I'm like, my God, I, it, I don't, I, and I don't know that that song to me is not any better than the rest of our catalog. I think they're all great. I mean, there's some better than others, but I don't know why that particular one 
exceed so much, but it's great. You go down the rabbit hole. And most people, like I said, with a paranormal, I'm on a radio show or somebody contacts me. I think they expect my band to be just sort of like, oh, this guy has a band, like a garage band or something. I don't think they expect that there's music videos and Elvira <laughs> and 18 million hits on YouTube. I think they're surprised and then they realize, okay, this is a real band. And I'm like, you know, I did this before I ever did paranormal, you know, <laughs> I see it. I see it. You, you going to work at the, uh, the monster hunter, uh, uh, corporate office, you know, you're by the, uh, the water cooler, all the other monster hunters there. Like, yeah, this, he's got a, he's got a band. He thinks he's in a band. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, really? This is my uh, this is my side job, the monster hunting. You know, I, I, at night I, I'm in a band. I'm really cool. Trust me. When we Calabrese were over at the Blackburn Ranch, you pulled out some original Fiend Club letters. You got handwritten letters from Glenn, and that was mind blowing when you brought those out as we're eating eggs and hot sauce in the morning. <laughs> right, I'm like, I know these guys are going to appreciate this. Look what I got. You know, it's nuts that you can think about a time when. Not only you could write to your favorite band and get a response like a real handwritten letter, but the misfits. Let's think about where they are now. When I was listening to that and I was there just when just before they broke up in 83. So I was, I was young, very young and I just discovered hardcore punk and I was into it. I was even in a band, you know, before I could even drive a car, I was already in a punk band. Well, once I heard the misfits, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. I didn't realize you could sing about monsters. You know, this just never occurred to me. I thought you have to sing about, you know, free birds and uh, <laughs> rock and roll and, and, and all that, you know, I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is crazy. So, you know, I just started writing and I, I collected all that stuff. So I have all a lot of the original Fiend Club uh, ads that he would send out, you know, with the T-shirts and you could order the singles for three dollars. T-shirts were like five bucks. It's it's mind blowing. Glenn was screen printing that stuff. I mean, he was doing it and in some ways sort of still operating in an independent fashion. I still I, I thought that was cool and I still think it's cool. So I kind of like to be you know, keep it somewhat independent where I'm still able to communicate with the fans and, and, you know, autograph books and send them out. And, you know, it, it's just a cool vibe of that do it yourself punk attitude that I've kept the whole time. And I've got a quote from you, which sums you up pretty good. Here we go. This is from Lyle Blackburn. Here we go. <laughs> Gotta work legs. If I'm going to outrun monsters and jump around on stage, hashtag leg day. Hashtag beast mode. Oh, <laughs> don't skip leg day, bro. Don't you dare. Yeah. No, nope. you got to include that. So, yeah, that's that's not my favorite day at the gym, but uh, you, you got to do it all. What is your favorite Western? The number one penultimate Western for anyone out there, for all you Ghoul Town fans. Oh, yeah. I'm curious. What do you think? Are you going for the top three? And you know what it is. But is there some secret, you yeah, know, deep I mean, Italian spaghetti one out there? Uh, of course, the spaghetti westerns are the ones that I prefer. I mean, there's very few American westerns that I like. It's they don't have the music, they don't have the grit and the you know that that attitude and vibe that the the Italian ones do. So those are all my favorites. And my top favorite is probably somewhat typical, but it's it's indicative of just the craft of that genre. So my favorite is for a few dollars more. Not the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's that's up in the that's way up there. But I think for a few dollars more, 
the second one in sort of the trilogy Sergio Leone did, that's my favorite. And then, of course, you know, I could list 20 of them that are start getting way more obscure. But, you know, there's a good there's a good 30 of those spaghetti westerns that are just mind blowingly great. You know, Django series, uh, uh, you know, there's so many. He's in. He's right. He's got it. He's not a lie. He's not a fraud. I worked for Six Flags over Texas, you know, the amusement park Six Flags. And Six Flags is a concept where they had six different flags countries that own Texas, you know, France and Mexico and, and all that stuff. So there was a Texas section and I worked in the games and there was sort of it was obviously more saloon looking stuff. And I worked in this thing. And in that building, they had a loop of five songs and one of they, they had like Bonanza. And and some of those soundtracks and they looped them. It was just five songs. And so I sat in there every weekend after I was hung over. I'd been at bars. I was up and it just penetrated my brain. And so years later, I'm like, you know, how do I put that into horror punk? (laughs) Somehow it just fried my brain. So because this is the Calibri's Mysticals of Horrors podcast, we're going to get spooky, Lyle. Do you, Lyle Blackburn of Monster Hunting in Ghoul Town, have a ghost story? (laughs) And if so, is it a spooky one? And and throw something at you. All right. Of course he does. Ready. Because the irony of my monster hunting is that I, I have seen some things that I might say were an unknown creature, but I've, I've definitively seen a ghost. And this happened when I was a senior in high school and one of my friends owned a house uh, up in a neighborhood and he, his parents and several of my friends said they had seen a ghost there. And I'd heard the stories, but you know, I'm like, I was into those subjects, but I wasn't thinking like I think now, let's do research, you know, or whatever. One evening I was sitting there and it was late and we were going to go out. You know, usually we waited and we went out skateboarding or to punk shows or whatever. And I'm sitting there and I'm I'm sitting on the fireplace and I'm kind of watching something on television while my friend Tim is getting ready. And all of a sudden I see this white figure go right across the entryway where the front door was and onto this hallway where there's a bedroom and it caught my eye, you know, just my peripheral. And I turn and I, so I only saw it for just a second or two. And I was like, Oh my God, I I literally just saw the ghost. And it it was a whitish figure about what you, you know, what you would imagine a ghost looks like. It looked to be the size of a kid a boy I'm assuming. And that's kind of how they had described it as well. And I just saw it walk right across there. And then, you know, I could feel the chill on my arms and my neck of just like, Oh my God, what did I just see? And then of course I'm like, Tim, I I just literally saw that thing walk by here. And he was very nonchalant. Like, Oh yeah. You know, it's like, we see it all the time. It was no big deal. But to me, you know, the rest of the night I was just like, Oh, dude, I can't believe I just saw what I saw. And 
I mean, I don't know if it's a, a dead person or what it was, but it, it was, it, I didn't mistake this and it looked like the image of a person just walking. It was more of an outline, you know, and it was, it was, I want to say grayish to white, um, but not, not that kind of level of detail, almost like a, uh, like a light that is sort of blown out, you know, so where you can't like, like if you see a headlight, you know, you, you see the light outline, but you can't see much to it. It wasn't that bright, but it was somewhat like that, that characteristic where you just could see the form, but you couldn't see the details as well. According to them, a kid had lived there prior to them or a family and, and this kid had died in the bedroom where my friend you know, where his bedroom was then. And hence the, because when I saw it, it was moving towards that hallway, which goes down to his bedroom. And that, that was the story. And, you know, again, I wasn't quite in the research mind of like, let's set up a camera, let's do all this stuff, you know, I mean, and they were just so nonchalant that it was almost like they didn't, they didn't, you know, weren't going to get all, you know, investigative in it. So I just kind of just thought, okay. I, and I wasn't the only one that had seen it. So I felt confident that there's some phenomenon going on there, but I wasn't able to do set up, you know, like parrot, like the Warrens and do a, a the whole okay. investigation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the ghost that lives here. Ooh. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing, because if I'm thinking back, if I just saw that, I would be very much questioning, you know, was that a ghost or was I just imagining, you know, something that, I mean, it just, was like that and it was gone but when you had all those other people who had also seen something then you're like well you know obviously i it wasn't me hallucinating probably it was something there and that was kind of an early experience and and so now obviously i, I have a much more adult mind about this and a much more focused experienced monster hunter if somebody reports seeing some unexplained creature a lizard man bigfoot werewolf or whatever it is that's one thing. And you may say this, this witness is very credible. They definitely saw something, but if you, and this happens where I start looking into that case and I find somebody that lives nearby who had seen something that did not, or have any way of knowing this other person, if they describe seeing this as well, I'm starting to go, okay, there's something to this. These people don't know each other. They both said they saw an upright reptilian humanoid in the same vicinity, you know, three years apart. How do I explain that? You know, are things coming across dimensionally? Are they not actually living in there, but they're just coming through our plane for a little while and then like whoosh, coming back? Always my first ground theory was that, you know, there was terrestrial explanations for this, you know, more. Bigfoot is just some, something that's flesh and blood and it's out there and it, it just miraculously haven't been discovered. The reptilian thing, you know, I don't know. It could, was it a, a bear with mange or some other explanation that is, is ordinary, but in the situation created a, what people believe to be a monster? Then there's obviously other theories. Well, if we haven't proven any of these and when you're talking about reptilians and werewolf type things is there some interdimension you know crossovers and are the are the things you know passing through that's why the footprints may be there or end or 
I don't know about that. You know, that just goes into a lot of speculation. Uh, I still kind of look at it as a, there's just monsters in the woods and, you know, I'm looking for that, but certainly you have to be open-minded is to try to explain why thousands of very credible people have seen something that we don't have an explanation for. What we need to do is do the, uh, the ghoul town, Calabrese, go into a swamp. I mean, this is just quintessential Scooby-Doo scenarios because where were all the spooky stuff in Scooby-Doo next to the swamp? I go in swamps all the time, paddled around in places under the moon at midnight where, you know, it's, it's spooky and beautiful all at the same time, but it would be cool if we ever, you know, in our busy schedules could do that. And maybe, and that's where a couple of times things have happened. Things have stalked us, howled at us. I've seen weird stuff, usually swamps. And I have a book called Sinister Swamps where I talk about that phenomenon, but it would be so cool if we could go out together and just do this like monster hunt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Spooky and beautiful. I think that sums up you, Lyle. How about that? <laughs> With that sentiment, Lyle, we're coming to the end. Where can everybody find you, Lyle, the monster hunter, the rock and roller, the gunslinger in the swamp? <laughs> in the swamp. Besides the swamp, yeah. Um, yeah, you're at where they could buy things from you. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, when not in the deep woods, dark swamps, or dusty saloons, you can find me at lyleblackburn.com, and that has links to where you can get my books and where you can view the movies I've been in and all that sort of stuff. And uh, my books, obviously, are available on Amazon, uh, where most finer books are sold these days. If you want to follow up on the band, ghoultown.com is the place to go for that. And, you know, lyleblackburn.com has links to the band, too. Ghoultown music is available everywhere that you can find Calabrese music. You know, uh, all the streaming services, platforms, you can order stuff from our site if you want LPs and things like that. So uh, just, just hit lyleblackburn.com. And speaking of T-shirts and things... We have a partying gift for you, Lyle. Yeah. <laughs> a piece of the Calabrese Iconic Collection. Six different options. I'll get your information later. You can easily cut off the sleeves on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Make them tear like Velcro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and for everybody else, CalabreseStore.com. Pay up for the money. And, um, yes. So. We'll just state it here, but you already know you are. You are our family. If you need anything, if you need let to us see know. some of those monsters pop up, just let us know. We'll get some for you. Yeah. If you, hey, need, if, you need, if you see if you see something we're doing and you wanna, you know, pick the brains, we're here for you. Bing bada boom. And um yeah, we appreciate you taking the time being here with us. Thanks, man. You guys are like, my, like I'm like, I'm like brothers and uh you know, from the moment we met at Dragon Con so many years ago, it's just been, you know, whether we see each other every day or it's been a year, it's just like we we pick up right where we left off. And it's always great to talk to you guys anytime. And I see your your other brother in the background. He's he looks kind of like a lizard man. So I may have to investigate your house. Fuck. Bring an investigation team out there. I, told you, I never see any of these fucking rewind the tape. Yeah, looking forward to this. I mean, there's so much stuff we could talk about, too. So it's, yeah, I know. But yeah, well, you know, we can we can hit it again sometime when you return, return the sequel, Blackburn yeah. interview. And, uh, and I got to say, you, you always have a place in our heart for like letting us stay at the, uh, you know, the Blackburn Ranch. Uh, we appreciate yeah. that. Everyone who did that for us, we 
Oh, yeah. So we always appreciate that. So thank you so much. No problem. Anytime. It's, I still have the, the same Blackburn Manor. So anytime you got your, you got your wounds. See you later. Thank you. All right. Love you, man.